Welcome to Practical Christian Living. God doesn't need money to do great things. What does God need to do great things? Faith. The Bible says if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. God wants men and women to have expectations, anticipation of the great move of God. Most of us might be quick to answer that we do not consider ourselves rich or wealthy. But if faith were counted as dollars, and even the smallest amount yielded high returns, then it truly wouldn't take much to be among the wealthiest in God's kingdom, right? May God speak to us out of today's passage in 1 Timothy about what it really takes to get things done in His kingdom. With part two of 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 10, here's Robert Furrow. The Bible says that in the last days, men will heap up for themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. And when you turn on the TV or you turn on the radio and someone says, I want to talk to you today about being rich and God wants you rich, your ears are tickled. First Timothy chapter six, if anyone is teaching godliness as a means of gain, withdraw yourself from them. Um, verse six, now godliness with contentment is great gain. So if someone is teaching godliness as a means of financial gain, withdraw yourself from them. But godliness with contentment is great gain. What kind of a gain is there in godliness? You could have nothing better. To be godly is to find real, true fulfillment. If you're empty, if you're lonely, if you're a Christian and you just don't feel fulfilled and satisfied, the answer isn't money. The answer isn't uh, some new doctrine, the answer is more Jesus. The answer is to be more godly because with godliness, there is, with contentment, go, with godliness, there is great gain. Then he says in verse seven, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we will carry nothing out. I'm reminded of Job who said, naked I have come into this world and naked I will leave. You've heard it said before, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul, can't take it with you. <laughs> Jesus spoke of a man who had a, a bunker harvest and said, what am I going to do? I know I'll build bigger barns. And he built bigger barns and he put his grain in there and he said, I'm going to take my ease now. I'm just going to kick back and take it easy. And Jesus said, you fool, for today your life is required of you. How many of us think, oh, if I just had more money, all my problems would be solved. Anybody ever thought that, by the way? A few people rose their hands in other services. If I just had more money, I know I'd be okay. But we really know that's not true, don't we? We really know that often the richest among us are the most miserable. Something happens when you make money. You begin to live or you begin to indebt yourself according to what you have. You never seem to catch up. I just think it's the folly of humanity that we never seem to live in our means. We just always seem to live just kind of barely above where you scrape by. But here's, here's the thing, and we know this. Having money isn't going to solve our problems. However, we, we say to God, let me try. Lord, just let me go ahead, give me the money, and I'll try and see if I can't be fulfilled. There's got to be some rich, fulfilled people, and I would like to try. Now, as we read the rest of this text, the problem isn't having money. If there are those here today and God has blessed you with finances, there's instruction towards the rich in the Bible. It says, let those who are rich 
not trust in the uncertainty of riches, but in the living God. So this isn't against being rich, and we'll see that as we continue on. It says, and having food and clothing, verse 8, with these we should be content. Now, food and clothing. I, I think that probably meets most of us here. Now, I look around, I see, you know, guys, you guys have clothes. That's good. <laughs> I assume you have food. That's good. I, I often would like to add to this verse. You know, the Bible says don't add to the word of God. I would like it to say, having food, clothing, and a house with these be content. Or in the day we live, food, clothing, house, and car with these be content. Or the day that we live, food, clothing, house, car, iPhone with these be content. <laughs> there are certain things we feel like we need. But he says, with food and clothing and godliness, we should end up being content. For those, verse 9, who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and any, into many foolish and harmful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. Three things happen. And first of all, note that it's the love of money. No, excuse me. It's those who desire to be rich, right? Verse nine, those who desire, it doesn't say those who are rich find destruction. Those who are rich find perdition. Those who are rich find temptation. It says those who desire to be rich. So you could be really poor, but have a desire to be rich and fall into these snares. A few years ago, a good friend of mine, he was a businessman in the community here in Tucson, very, um, well, effective, very affluent man. And uh, he went and spent some time in Texas and uh, he began to attend a church there in Texas and God got a hold of his heart. I mean, like really got a hold of him. And he came back on fire for Jesus in a way that I'd never seen it before. He'd always been a Christian, but when he came back, the first thing that he told me is, I'm done, I'm giving up everything. I just wanna do whatever God wants me to do. And he began to get involved in ministry and he gave everything up. He quit his job and he gave everything up, but things got financially difficult. After a while, I had invited him to go to a pastor's conference with me. When I, when I go to a pastor's conference, I try to go to two or three a year just to go be fed. And um, I like to take someone with me. And I took him with me to one of those pastor's conferences. We were in, California in uh, Costa Mesa in a claim jumper there. And uh, he said, listen, I, I'm, I'm struggling with this whole money issue. He said, I've always wanted to have enough money that money just wasn't an issue. I could always have money. And um, I'm struggling with this and I don't really know what to do. I think I'm gonna go back into the business world. And I read him this passage. Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, destruction and perdition. It wasn't too long before he left the ministry and what he was involved in, went back into the business world. And I'm telling you, I saw his life shipwrecked. I saw the destruction. I saw the perdition. We know what destruction is, but what is perdition? You know what perdition is? Wasted. Vanity. Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, is called the son of perdition. Think of the potential of Judas's life. One of the 12 disciples. And yet his life was wasted those who desire to be rich fall into perdition. Even if you gain wealth, what does it mean in the end? Living for money is nothing. Now, I tell you guys that story about my friend who to this day has had his life destroyed. I tell you that story to tell you it happens. This is not hypothetical. I hear people say of the warnings in Scripture, well, they're just there and they're kind of hypothetical and, you know, really can't happen. We need to listen to this. 
When you desire to be rich, you fall into temptations. Now, look, we've been blessed. Living in the United States, I saw this last week, that we live, that we in the United States live in the top 5% of all of the income in the world. So if you take everybody in the world and you rank them, we fall within the top 5%. That's come down, by the way, from the top 3% or something in the, in the last few years. So things are equaling out some to, the, to fall into 5%. We certainly are blessed. God blesses us. And, and the Bible says God gives us abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And don't we have that experience in our lives? God has blessed us abundantly above all that we can ask or think. It's not about having money. It's about that desire to be rich. It is such a bad thing to live for. I, um, when I look at this verse, it talks about the destruction and the perdition. I think of another story. I was, um, had just gotten married. Me and my wife were newlyweds. And um, I was working at a place in Albuquerque and um, we put in radios and cars and cruise controls and uh, pinstriping and side molding, those kind of things. And I was starting upholstery for them. I did upholstery at the time. That's what I did. And I was getting, they didn't have it there. I was starting it for them, but I wanted to learn everything they did in the shop first. And just in case the upholstery was slow, I could put in radios. So I was learning it. And um, I was the youth pastor in Calvary Chapel of Albuquerque at the time. And the owner of the business was a Christian. In fact, it may have been one of the reasons that he hired me as we were, I was in the interview. We began to talk about the Lord and he was excited and hiring a youth pastor on uh, at his shop. So I went to work there. And um, one night he invited me over to his house for dinner. He invited me and my wife over for, for dinner. Now, when your boss invites you over to dinner, you don't turn him down, right? You guys ever had your boss say, come over for dinner? Well, you, no, I don't want to go over to your house for dinner. <laughs> no, it's your boss. You say, we'd love to, we'll be there. What time do you want us there? And so we go to their house for dinner. And immediately when we walk in, we realize there's something wrong. Maybe you guys have been in this situation. First of all, there's a chalkboard in the living room. People generally don't keep chalkboards in their living room. So I knew something was up. Secondly, there were a couple of other guys that were there. One of them they introduced me to was a ex-NFL player. And a nice guy, he was a punt returner and he had returned to punt in the Super Bowl, playing for the Denver Broncos. He had returned to punt in the Super Bowl for a touchdown. It was great talking with him, talking about what it felt like in the Super Bowl and wow, you kind of reached the heights there. So then it came time for the presentation. We really weren't invited over for dinner. We were invited over for the presentation. So they said, before we have dinner, we'd like you guys to sit down. We got something we want to show you. So I sat down. And he starts drawing on the board, the football player, starts drawing pyramids on the board and then tells me that I can sell something and become rich and that the more people I get under me who sell things, the more rich that I'm going to get. Many of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about now as I say it. And back then, it was all hidden. They didn't tell you who the business was, right? Now it's all out in the open. Now they even have commercials. But back then, they didn't tell you. And so, well, the first thing that happened was I'm a newlywed and my wife pinches my leg. You ladies do that? When you want to get a communication over to your husband, you reach out and pinch his leg. Well, my wife pinched my leg. And now I've learned later, later on in life, I learned just to say, ow, loudly. It stops her from doing that. Ow! And then she stopped. <laughs> Why are you pinching me? That usually works. But I knew what the pinch meant then. The pinch meant get us out of here as soon as possible. And so I stopped him and I said, Randy, listen, listen. I know what it is. I told him what it was. I said, I know what it is. I've had the spiel before. I'm not interested. And he said, you don't want to be rich? And I go, no, I don't want to be rich. 
Now, really what I was saying is I don't want to be a part of this, all right? I didn't have time to really think about whether or not I wanted to be rich, all right? But I told him, no, I don't want to be rich. And here's what he did. He said to me, how dare you not want to be rich? How dare you not want to take money and bless God's people and help the poor? Think of all the things that you can do. I think it's wrong and sinful for people not to want to be rich. Huh. What does this verse say here? But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drowned men in destruction and perdition. Seems quite a bit different than what he was saying. The rest of the night was incredibly uncomfortable. We actually ate something there with them. I don't think there was a complete meal there, but there were some snacks and we kind of ate them. And oh, by the way, we got to go. Babysitter's got to get home. We're out of here. And we left. But God doesn't need money to do great things, right? Sometimes people fall into traps. They think, well, I want to get involved in this business. And you say things like this to God. God, if you bless my business, then I'll give you 20%. You're making these bargains with God, but you're not really giving God anything he needs. Do you think that God needs your money? You think God's up in heaven? Well, it's a good deal for me. I'm going to go ahead and bless you and I'll get your money. You'll give me 20%. I think we do those kind of things because we're trying to curry more favor with God. It's like when, you know, people will come to, the, to, to me and they'll tell me, listen, I, you know, I've got a business in town and God's really blessing it and we're going to start giving, you know, 30 or 40% to the church. I just wanted you to know that. Well, why are you telling me? If you're going to do that, just do it. Don't come up and tell me. Don't come up and tell one of our assistant pastors. Let that be between you and God. I still think what's happening there is they're trying to curry favor with God. It's like, I just want you to know, I've made this commitment. When God really blesses me financially, whoa, there it is. There's the money. God doesn't need money to do great things. What does God need to do great things? Faith. The Bible says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. God wants men and women to have expectations, anticipation of the great move of God. God can do more with a mustard seed of faith than he can with billions of dollars. God doesn't do things the way that men do things. What God wants from us is faith. Now, he gives us one more verse and we'll wrap it up. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, to be fair, it doesn't say money is the root of evil, right? But the love of money, which means it doesn't matter if you have it or not, if you're loving money, it's the root of all kinds of evil. Think about how many awful things have been done because of money. Think about the friendships that you know of that have been destroyed because of money. Once money gets involved, I say, don't ever lend money to friends. Just don't do it. If you expect it back, don't give it to them. If you can give it to them, give it to them. Here, take it. I want to help you. You don't owe me anything. Don't lend money to family members. Give them money. Don't lend it. If you can't give it to them, don't give it. Tell them that you can't. How many families have been destroyed because somebody lends money to somebody else? How many of you guys have stories like that in your family where there's all kinds of evil that has taken place. And even today, you, even as I'm saying it, you want to say, no, no, but you don't understand what they did. They borrowed money once and they borrowed it twice and they borrowed it again and they never gave it back. And they said they were going to give it back and they didn't give it back. And you understand? <laughs> How about families that are torn apart because of inheritances? 
You guys ever had that happen? Mother and father die. It's a brutal time. And then finally, the one poor child that has been chosen to be the executor of the estate now has all the brothers and sisters and everybody else to deal with. And the next thing you know, there's a brutal battle in the family. You know what, Christian? Find yourself in that. Just, just give. Just say, you know what? You guys do what's fair. I don't care. Doesn't matter to me. Because what you gain won't mean anything anyway. What really matters is relationships. Money is temporary, but relationships go on forever. And you don't want anything to get in the way of Christ. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And we could go on, couldn't we? Example after example after example of the kind of evil that is produced by the love of money, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. Some even leave the faith, like my friend because of the greediness. Now, people say, this can't happen. It's just, you know, hypothetical. I don't think there's any warning in Scripture that's hypothetical. Have I said that already in this study, by the way? I did, didn't I? Sometimes you forget when you do five of them. But not a, good, not a bad point to emphasize twice, right? It says, um, and they pierce themselves through with many sorrows. Again, living for those things. In closing, Jesus had a rich young ruler come to him. And he said, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus said, well, keep the commandments. And he said, well, I've done that my whole life. Well, he hadn't really. But Jesus said, then one thing you lack, sell everything you have and follow me and be my disciple and you will have eternal life. You will have riches in the life to come. And he went away sad because he was a very rich man. Now let's think about that decision. He's got all this money. We don't know how much it was, but we assume it's a lot, Okay. He's a rich, young ruler, but he is given the opportunity to become one of the disciples for the Messiah. Now you tell me, did he make a good decision? He weighed his money against being one of the disciples and he made the decision for money. Bad decision. We see that clearly, but I wonder how many of us make that bad decision today as well. What do you live for? Money makes a good servant. We all have to have it. If you figured out a way to live without having to have money or make money or, or spend money, I'd like to know. I'd like to hear how you did it, except if it's a pyramid scheme. All right. Other than that, I don't want to know. I mean, other than that, I'd like to know. But it makes a really poor master. It's like so many other things in our life. It's like sex. God created it. And in the confines that God has chosen it, it's really good. But it makes a really poor master. And once people begin to live for money or sex or power or fame or anything else, then there's nothing but difficulties and hardships that are in our lives. And I'm so glad that God gives us this direction here that we can spend some time thinking about it. And if by chance you put money in the wrong place, and if making money is what you're all about, it needs to change. And this is next week's study, but let's read it real quick. Verse 11, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, we do want to pursue those things. We thank you that you have given us instruction in how we are supposed to live. We pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to lead us. Lord, forgive us when we have put money above people. Forgive us when we have lent money and allowed it to be something that has destroyed relationships and help us to make it right. 
And Lord, we pray that you would take these truths and burn them deeply into our hearts, that we would remember them and live godly lives for you. We thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a few minutes. I'd also like to ask that no one would leave early. We're almost done. We'll dismiss you here shortly. But I want to give you an opportunity. If you're here today, you've never made a commitment to Christ. You've never come to that place where you've said, I'm done living for myself, and I'm now ready to live for, for Him. Listen, for those of you who don't know Him, God wants you. God doesn't want your stuff. God doesn't want your money. God wants you. There's some of you here that that kind of shocks you. You would think God really doesn't want me. God created you and he loves you and he wants you. But he's waiting to be invited in. The Bible says as many as receive him, he gives the power to become a child of God to those who believe in his name. That means you have to receive him. The Bible says that he stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone will open that door, he will come in and dine with them and he with them. So you have to open the door. He will not force anyone to be a Christian here today. But if you say, I want to live for him, I'm done living for myself. Maybe you've lived for all kinds of other things. You know, sometimes God lets us go to the very bottom before we hear his call, before he reaches out his hand to lift us up. And I got to think there's some of you here today, you're at the very bottom. And the Lord's reaching out to you and saying, I have a whole new way of life for you. I have a call, a purpose. There's a plan for you. There's a reason that God has called you. There's a reason that he's created you. And if you want to find out what that reason is, there's just one thing that stands in the way and that's your sin. The Bible says it is sin that separates us from God. That's why Jesus had to go to the cross. That's why they nailed him to that cross. That's why that blood flowed down that cross and onto the ground so your sins could be forgiven, so my sins could be forgiven, and we could enter into a relationship with the living God. If you want to invite him into your life today and ask him to forgive your sins and receive the work that he did for you upon the cross, then I'm going to ask you to do something simple. Just lift your hand up. Lift your hand up now, if you would, and lift it up high. I want to see it. I want to make my way around the room and acknowledge your hands. First of all, God bless you. Over to my right and sir, all the way back by the wall. That's awesome. God bless you, sir, right in the middle there. That kind of little wedge section there. And God bless you right on the aisle here in the middle and ma'am in the back. That's awesome. Anyone else? Just raise your hand now. God bless you, ma'am, back over to my, my left. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. This today could be your day of glory. This could be the day that God has chosen to bring you home and into his life. So I'm going to go over the room one more time. Just raise your hand. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Again, over to my left. God bless you. And God bless you there. That's great. All right. You can put your hands down. And I would like everyone, including those who raise their hands, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned. And I know my sin has separated me from you. But I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I turn from my sin that I can live for you by the power of the resurrection in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. 
Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.